I'm your inner dream monologue, and you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everyone. This is your 1001 Stories Network host, John Hagedorn. And I want to thank each and every one of you listeners for the support you've given 1001 Stories from the Old West. Kevin Sykes will return in the fall with a bunch of great Old West history. But during the meantime, we'll be running episodes of the old radio show, Tales of the Texas Rangers, which features actual stories from the files of the Texas Rangers from about 1936 through the late 40s. This show did very well from 1950 to 52 on NBC Radio, and was successful in transitioning to TV on CBS from 1955 to 1958. I especially enjoy the episodes where they go after him on horseback. That still happens today in rough country where they need to go after fugitives on horseback, keeping America's past alive. It's time for another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. Hope you enjoy it. It's National Wheaties Week. Yes, it's National Wheaties Week, and Wheaties present Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. On stage tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another in the Wheaties big parade of exciting half-hour presentations. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the oldest and most famous law enforcement body in North America. Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Quicksilver. on the night of May 22, 1947, the Stockholm Ranch, located in the middle of Carson County, Texas, was darkened for the night when the occupants were awakened by the barking of a dog. Jim? Jim, wake up. Hmm? 
What's the matter, Flo? You hear Jeep bark? Well, kind of. I was half asleep. It's funny. He barked and then shut up real fast. Well, he might have took off after oh, something. He kept on barking then. It sounded like uh, he... Be would... quiet a second. See? Don't hear him anymore. Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, take a look see. It ain't like Jeep to bark at nothing, then shut up. Jim, Jim. Hmm? What's the matter? I, Jim, somebody came in the house. Oh, you probably just heard the kid tossing in his sleep. No, I, I got a funny feeling. All right, I'll put on a light and have a look. I'm coming along. I want to go and see if anything... It's National Wheaties Week. Time to buy Wheaties, eat Wheaties, buy more Wheaties, eat more Wheaties. Time to join America in a brighter morning. Sure, it's National Wheaties Week. Everybody's eating them. You have some, too. Have them for fun. Have them for flavor. Have them for feeling good and working good and looking good. Have Wheaties for any reason at all, but get them. Whole wheat, crisp whole wheat, golden whole wheat. There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. You try them. See how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. It's National Wheaties Week. On May 29, 1947, the bodies of Jim and Flo Stockholm and their 10-year-old son Carl were discovered by a playmate of Carl's. Sheriff Lockins notified the Texas Rangers, and Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to the case. Place is just like it was, Jace. Stepping for the bodies. Kind of a mess, isn't it, Sheriff? Yeah. All three of them in their night clothes, you said. Yeah. This here is Jim and Flo's bedroom. I see. Bed clothes must up. Whoever did the killing woke him up. Likely the dog woke him. Oh, yeah. Jeep, you said. Found him dead a piece from the house. Clubbed over the head. Okay, let's say Flo and Jim Stockholm were awakened by the dog. Jim would get up and see what was the matter. Flo went with him probably to see if the kid Carl was okay. He didn't get no further than uh, in this room here, right outside the bedroom. Yeah, all three of them. Funny Jim Stockholm didn't have a gun. Yeah, if he thought somebody was in a house or prowling around outside, he'd have grabbed his gun. Unless something stopped him. What are you thinking about, Jace? Just that the killer might have got in Carl's room. That's right over here. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe Carl spotted the killer, hollered, and that'd make both Jim and Flo jump fast. Yeah. Jim wouldn't think of grabbing his gun. This window here has been jimmied up. You see that? Yeah. I guess you're right. Killer coming this way. Kids saw him. Yelled. Tried to get out. Got as far as the room out here. Uh-huh. There's what they were killed with, Jason. Flat iron. An old-fashioned flat iron. Yeah, used as a doorstop. Killer grabbed it and used it. Wonder why he didn't shoot. How far away is the next ranch, Sheriff? Six miles at least. Why? I'm just figuring maybe the killer didn't want to risk the noise of shots. Must have picked up the flat iron. Why, well, he killed the little kid, too. Didn't want anybody to be able to identify him. Yeah, likely. Well, what now, Jason? I'd like to fine-comb this house for fingerprints. Meantime, I got a few things I'd like you to find out in town. Uh, 
fingerprints anywhere, except those we knew were of the murdered people. The motive for the crime was robbery. Jim Stockholm kept fairly large sums of money on hand to pay cash for whatever he bought. We didn't find a penny in the house. The whole thing looked hopeless, like the sheriff said when he came back to the Stockholm ranch. Yeah, the coroner can't give us much, Jase. Ain't no way of telling how long they've been dead. If we could find out what day the murders were committed, we'd have something. Not much, but something. Yeah, but how? How are you going to find that out? Nobody saw the Stockholms before they were killed? For sure. Jim went into town on the 22nd week ago. Out here, if nobody sees his neighbor for a week, ain't nothing thought about it. So the murders could have been committed any time between the 22nd and the day the bodies were discovered. That's the way it sizes up, Jase. Killer's got at least a week to make tracks for... Well, Texas is big. Uh-huh. Uh, Sheriff, that fence there, hmm? near the corral. Well, that's a hog pen. It's... Hey, the hogs are gone. Yeah, busted through. Come on. I never noticed it before. I never thought about looking for the hogs. Who would? Well, look here, Sheriff, where the fence is busted through. Look at these. Here. Hog bristles. Lots of them. Caught on the broken part of the rail. Hogs broke out and pushed through here. Yeah, but look at here, Jase. What's it got to do with what we're after? What made these hogs go wild and break out? It's my guess they got awful hungry. Sure. And went looking for something to eat. Come on. We're going to the barn and take a look at the hog feed. Then we're going into town. found three sacks of hog feed in the barn. Two of them were full, unopened. The third had just about enough mash taken out for one feeding. Sheriff Larkins and I went into town. Then the sheriff asked a few questions I wanted answered, and I checked at the feed store. Sure, Jim Stockholm bought all his feed in here, Ranger. You remember when he was in last, ma'am? Bet I do. It's the last time anybody saw him. The 22nd? That's it. What'd he buy? Mm, three sacks of hog mash. Got all the information you wanted, Jase. Thanks, Sheriff. Now, ma'am, is there anything else you can remember about that day? Stockholm seemed troubled or anything? No, just stopped in for a minute. All he said was he had to get back with the mash. He was all out. Are you sure of that? Just as sure as I'm standing here. And you're sure it was the 22nd? I can make it real sure, Ranger. Got all my sales in this book. Let's see. 25th. Yeah, here it is. Twenty-second. Three sacks of hog mash to Jim Stockholm. Thank you, ma'am. Let's go, Sheriff. You're sure welcome, Ranger. You helped a lot. What have you got, Jason? The Stockholms were killed on the 22nd. How do you know? Jim Stockholm bought these three sacks of feed on the 22nd. He said he was all out at the ranch. He had to get home and feed the hogs. We found two of the bags unopened. Yeah, and the third with only about enough mash out of it to give the hogs one meal. Which means he fed the hogs on the 22nd, but he didn't the next day or the next. Because he was dead. That's it. Now we got a lot of checking to do, and it's all going to hinge around the 22nd. questioned everybody, but it all added up to a big round zero. Everybody knew Jim Stockholm and liked him. He didn't have an enemy. 
Everyone we questioned could account for his time on the 22nd. Nobody'd seen a stranger in town. So I played a hunch. Sheriff Larkins and I rode over to the Stockholm Ranch trying to pick up anything. Then about eight miles north of the ranch, we got a break. Hey, Chase! Chase! Yeah, Sheriff? Here, will you? What do you got, Sheriff? I don't know. Looks like ashes. Empty bean can there, too. Uh-huh. Like somebody cooked himself a meal here. Horses' tracks around here, too. One horse. Yeah. Like they might be about a week old. Might not mean a thing, Chase. Could be anybody's horse. Sure could, but nobody in town saw a stranger. Little town like that, people notice a stranger right away. But if a man came riding from this direction, chances are nobody'd see him. Still could be anybody. I know. I'm going to take a real close look. Okay, I'll cover this part. Good. Sheriff, come here. Get something? I think so. Look. Tied his horse to this mesquite. See? The horse stood here, a piece of mesquite broken off. Oh, and here's something else. Take a look. Dirt. Just ordinary earth. Take a good look. Well, it's different from the earth around here. It sure is. Different color and different texture. Sheriff, I got a hunch this dirt scraped off a boot when he got back in the saddle. Scraped off by a stirrup. Yeah, here's a bigger hunk of it. Yeah, reddish color. You ever see dirt like this around here? No. That hunk's got a funny shape. Packed in against the instep of a boot, it'd take this shape. You had any rain around here lately? A dry as a bone. There's only one way earth packs up in an instep if it's wet. The man who left this couldn't have come far. Come on. Let's see if we can find a couple of his footprints. We picked up a few prints. I took their measurements. Then we went back into town. I asked some more questions. Meantime, I sent the earth samples to the lab for analysis. And by the time I got back to my headquarters, Captain Stinson had the report. Looks like this earth came from southwest Wheeler County, Jace. At least the lab thinks so. Wheeler County Southwest, well, it kind of fits, Captain. Fits what? That part of Wheeler County is not far from Stockholm Ranch. No, it isn't. Just about as far as it would take wet earth to dry out and get hard enough to scrape off a man's boot. Yeah, I see. What else you got? Uh, a few horse hairs I picked off the mesquite bush. Looks like the fellow was riding a sorrel. And something else. Plaster casts of his... Boot prints. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big boot. Big man. Maybe 6'2 or 3. You're right. But there are no fingerprints. There's no real evidence. This fellow whose boot prints you got, he might have been anybody. Might never have gone near the Stockholm ranch. Yeah, I know that, Captain. You didn't pick up any of his boot prints around the house, did you? No, place was pretty messed up. A lot of people got there before I did. Yeah, that's one break a criminal always gets. If only people would stay away... Only they'd have enough sense to realize. Sure, but they don't. They don't mean any harm, though. Okay, what's next? Look for a man six feet two or three riding a sorrel? I'd like to, Captain. Starting where? <laughs> well, Texas, I guess. It's National Wheaties Week. 
Yup, 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 and in celebration of National Wheaties Week, when everybody eats Wheaties, even trombone players, here's that well-known radio musician, Abe Lincoln. Honest, his name really is Abe Lincoln. And here he is, stepping out from behind the scenes to say, Get your Wheaties. Oh, come on, Abe. You didn't come out from your trombone to say just that. No, but that's the idea. Folks, the Wheaties Big Parade has been bringing you some pretty solid entertainment this summer. I can say it because I've worked along with all the other fellows helping put this entertainment on the air. And now it's National Wheaties Week, and we hope that every one of you who's enjoyed these programs will go out and get your Wheaties. The backstage folks like me, the people whose voices you usually never hear, we'd sure like it if we thought you'd enjoy our programs enough to go out and get some Wheaties. If you like the Texas Rangers, buy a box of Wheaties on Monday, will you? Thanks, and good night, Abe. Remember, it's National Wheaties Week. I kicked around for a few days, covering all the ground I could between the Stockholm Ranch and Wheeler County, and then I reported back to Captain Stinson. Kind of picked up something interesting, Captain. Like what, Jace? Weather reports. Here's a map of Wheeler County. The places I've marked in red had rain within the last three weeks. Oh? Well, what about it? Well, this place. Right here. Hmm. The only spot of the marked places that'll show the same kind of earth we had analyzed. I checked. Mm-hmm. So it's narrowed down to that. But you can't arrest a man just because he happened to be in a place where it rained. I know I'm working on a shoestring, but there's no other lead, Nothing. Might be I'll hit a stone wall or pick up some folk who just happened to pass through the spot where we found the Prince of Earth, but it's a chance, Cap, the only one. Well, suppose you chase down that lead in Wheeler County and your man's gone. Oh, I don't expect to find him there. He left there and landed at Stockholm Ranch, maybe. And left no fingerprints. There's not a single piece of evidence. It's still the only lead. You want to stick to Wheeler County, huh? That's about it, Captain. Maybe pick up a description of a possible suspect. Well, where'll you start? Well, here's what I think. The man we're looking for is a drifter. Maybe a poke that picks up work here and there where he can get it. The fact that he ate a can of beans and cooked it himself means he didn't have a nickel to buy a decent meal, even though he was near a town. That kind's usually a drifter. Made a buck here and a nickel there. You see what I mean? All right, Jace. Play the hunch. But if the lead peters out... I'm hoping it won't. See you later. Now, you keep in touch. Yeah. Radio or phone. So long. <laughs> A little while later, I was in Wheeler County, southwest. I checked one ranch after another, some big, some small. What I wanted to know was, had anyone seen a man about six, two, or three, a man who owned a sorrel and didn't have steady work? <laughs> I once read where a man found a needle in a haystack, did it on a bet. <laughs> well, my needle could be in any haystack. Then on the Claude Edwards Ranch near Ramstall, I ran into something. Sure, I remember a poke about like that, Ranger. Big fella. Had himself a sorrow. Did he work for you, Mr. Edwards? A couple of days. Drifted in looking for something to do. I don't usually have work for more than my own hand, but this fella come in just about when I needed somebody else and... What was his name? Um, uh, or- Orwell. Yeah, that was it. Orwell. Now, when was he here? Oh, let me see now. That'll be around uh, the 19th, 20th. When did he leave? He do something, Ranger? I don't know, Mr. Edwards, but I'd sure like to hear everything you know about him. 
Well, he worked for a couple of days, then come in asking for his pay. That was uh, maybe the 22nd. Are you sure? Pretty darn sure. It's awful important. All right, I'm sure. We had a spell of rain about then. I had him mend the roof. He didn't like it none. Did he say where he was going, anything at all? Didn't say, and I didn't ask. Just handed him his pay. Saw him in town later, dropping it in a card game. Then he lit out. All right. Now I want the best description of him you can possibly give me. Everything you can remember. What he looked like, how he talked, acted. I'll try, Ranger. But how are you going about finding him? By now, he might be clear into Mexico. Any place. I'm going to do my best, Mr. Edwards. And I'm not sure that's going to be enough. got a description of Orwell. Six feet two, dark hair, rode a sorrow, tight-lipped, not too easy to get along with, black mustache. <laughs> Funny how little that people notice things unless it's something they really want to see. What description we had was sent out. Fifty false leads came through, a hundred. But every once in a while, one came through that matched something else. Captain Stinson and I talked it over. Well, maybe it is something, Jace. Look. Hmm hundred different leads, but there's one that shows up ever so often. This one. Same description. Drifter. Gambles a lot. Had a dozen different jobs. Well, there's something else, Chase. Now, look at the pattern here. Yeah, I am. This one keeps moving southwest. Always away. The others jump around. The last report came from San Carlo two days ago. Mm-hmm. I'd like to mosey into San Carlo and see if I can pick up anything from there. I figure this Orwell's moving slow. He's counting on being safe by now. What if you find him? There's still not much evidence. We'd have to get a confession out of him. Nothing we've got will stick in a court. I got an idea about that. Let me try it, Captain. In San Carlo, I picked up a few more scraps about Orwell. From what I'd learned, I tried to think like the man I was trailing. Tried to figure out his next move. He gambled a lot, so every town I hit, I asked questions. Went to ranches and asked about poker games and crap games. Orwell was like Quicksilver. Yeah, he was here. Left. Uh-huh. He was there. Left after picking up a few dollars. But the pattern stayed the same. Always moving southwest. Then on the MacMallet branch near the New Mexico border... Orwell... Uh, you say all well, Ranger? That's the name. He's riding a sorrel horse. Well, I don't like to say for sure, but I I took on a fella name of Orwell, and he did come in riding a sorrel. <laughs> as soon as he hit the bunkhouse, he'd try to shake up the poker game. <laughs> Where is he now? Well, I sent him out this morning to ride fence. Stock was getting through. How long ago did he leave? Oh, three or four hours. Maybe a little more. Tell me something else. Oh, sure. What? Uh, did he have any money when he left this morning? Well, funny you ask about that, Ranger. Matter of fact, he touched me for a five against any pay he had coming. He uh, ought to be coming back soon now. Almost time to chow. <laughs> he touched you for five. He won't be back for chow. I'm going after him. I followed the fence rider's trail. It was well in the afternoon when I spotted a rider up ahead. I took off my badge and stuck it in my pocket. 
put my guns in my waistband under my jacket and caught up with him. Who are you? Name's Pearson. You're Orwell, huh? Yeah, why? Boss sent me out to look for you. Boss? Oh, boy. Oh. Yeah, foreman back at Mellet's Ranch. What for? Well, we got to get back to the north fence. You wasn't working there when I left. <laughs> Just got took on. I guess we'd better get back to the north fence. Boss says it's important. That's so. Say, come to think of it, you're, you're not even on the ranch anymore. I hit the boundary fence a piece back. All right, I got news for you, mister. I ain't riding fence. Now you take off. You see about that north fence. Huh? You mean you're quitting? Right the first time, mister. Now, so long. Hey. Hey, hold it a minute. You're downright unsociable. Oh, boy. Oh. You're downright nosy. Me? <laughs> I didn't mean to be. Say, you mind if I ride a piece with you? Yeah, I do. Well, I'd kind of like company. Thought you was just took on at the Mellet's place. Seems to me you're riding wrong, mister. Oh, I got no hankering for work either. Not with 500 in my jeans. 500? A poke like you with 500? <laughs> got lucky in a crap game night before last. And why'd you take the job? Oh, a man can always use a couple more bucks. Well, I guess I'll be riding on. Hey, hey, wait. Huh? Okay. <laughs> I kind of like company myself. You want to ride a piece with me? It's okay. We rode on the rest of the day, and I found out Orwell was planning to head into Mexico. We bedded down early. And along toward midnight, when Orwell thought I was asleep, he raised up and moved toward me. You want my saddlebag, Orwell? I thought you were sleeping. No. Don't reach for it, Orwell. I'll blow your head off. What, what are you getting so head up about? Oh, man starts to go through my saddlebags when I'm sleeping. I get touchy. I'm just looking for cigarettes. No need for that gun. Yeah? Sure. Wasn't looking for 500, were you? You call me a crook? You name it, Orwell. <laughs> You, you are touchy. Okay, okay. Put that gun away, Pearson. You're acting like a kid. I tell you, I was just looking for cigarettes. Sure. Guess I did maybe bust the strap. Okay, bring that saddlebag. Cigarettes are in it. Yeah, sure. Uh, left or right one? Right. Uh, there you are. <laughs> you open it this time. Hey, what you got in there? Stuff. Okay. Cigarettes are wrapped up in that piece of blanket. Help yourself. Well, thanks. Uh, cigarettes in here? Feels like a ton of iron. Could be. Wait! Anything wrong, Orwell? It's a flat iron. Uh-huh. Funny thing to be carrying around. Why? I knew a man once carried around a cow skull tied to his saddle horn. Why are you carrying this? I don't know. Why are you asking? Who... Who are you? 
I told you. Name's Pearson. Jace Pearson. Cigarettes are there. Help yourself. I don't want any. Suit yourself. Mind handing me that flat iron, Orwell? Why? I just want it. Go on. Go on. Hand it to me. No. Hey. Hey, you're looking real pale, Orwell. You're not scared of coyotes, are you? Shut up. Iron makes a good nutcracker. Maybe I carried for that. Shut up, I said. Go on, Orwell. Hand me the flat iron. Pick it up. It's not so heavy. It's heavy enough. Man could pick it up like this, lift it up over his head, and bring it down. Hard like... Why not? Why you? No. Orwell, stand still. Go run. Hold it, Orwell. I'm warning you. Hold it. I have to. Who are you? Pearson. Texas Rangers. <laughs> Figured I'd get caught up with. Guess we better start going, Orwell. You're not hurt too bad. Shooting by moonlight kind of spoils a man's aim. Come on, let's go. William Orwell confessed to the murders of Jim and Florence Stockholm and their son Carl. On July 15, 1947, Orwell was convicted. His sentence, death in the electric chair. Joel McRae, your Texas Ranger, has asked me to ask you to have some Wheaties. Yes, have some Wheaties, because it's National Wheaties Week. The week when everybody goes out and buys a box and enjoys a dish of America's famous whole wheat flakes. Start early in National Wheaties Week so you'll have time to buy them and eat them and buy some more and eat some more. Wheaties, that is. And while you're enjoying them, partner, you're getting wide awake energy, whole wheat energy. There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. Begin a better breakfast with Wheaties. And see if you don't find yourself striding high, wide, and handsome right through the morning. Rangers can ride better, salesmen can sell better, plumbers can plumb better with a better breakfast. Milk and fruit and Wheaties. Get yours. Breakfast of champions. It's National Wheaties Week. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae will soon be seen starring in the MGM production Stars in My Crown. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, D.J. Thompson, Byron Kane, Lou Krugman, and Russell Simpson. This story was transcribed and adapted by Russell Hughes, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keith. Hal Gibney speaking. And this is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin, inviting you to listen on Tuesday night to the Penny Singleton Show on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then. Remember, it's National Wheaties Week. Come on, everybody, to the Wheaties party. Eat a lot of Wheaties like the champions do. Dance together cheek to cheek. This is National Wheaties Week. Eat a lot of Wheaties like the champions do. Wheaties, a breakfast of champions. Tomorrow, Sigmund Romberg conducts the Summer Symphony on NBC. Hey! 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Wheaties presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. On stage tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another in the Wheaties' big parade of exciting half-hour presentations. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. Now, from the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Tonight's case, The Broken Spur. Saturday night, June 5th, 1948. The time, 10 p.m. On a small ranch ten miles south of Cranston, Irwin County, Texas, Milton Thomas was counting a large sum of money, preparatory to locking it up for the night. As he was counting, his dog Rags appeared to be nervous. Thomas tried to quiet him. Rags, stop that. You're making me count wrong. Fifty-one hundred... Uh, <laughs> what did Sam Hill's a matter with tonight? Now stop it. Quiet, Rags. Down, down, down. Who's there? Casey. What do you want, Casey? I want to talk to you. Mm, seems to me it's awfully late at night to be knocking at people's doors. Not if it's about that right, long... Get back in the room. That, that gun, what are you trying to... Get your dog back or off. Get back or you'll get the same thing. Get away from that dog. Give me that money. No, no, I won't. Oh, you ask for it. No, 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 don't take it. Shut up, shut up. Let go of my legs. No. I said let go. No. All right, then. 
Tales of the Texas Rangers will continue in just a moment. If you've got a job to do tomorrow, partner, get your Wheaties. Sure, Breakfast of Champions is for you. Just like it's for Ralph Kiner, pride of the Pittsburgh Pirates. You may not play ball for a living, but whatever your job is tomorrow, you can do it better on a better breakfast. And it's a better breakfast you're starting with Wheaties. There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. Yes, whole wheat. Good, sound, whole wheat. Plump and ripe and bursting with vitamins and minerals and protein for your vitality, your energy, your working power. So tumble the Wheaties out of the package, pour on the milk, put on the fruit, pick up the spoon, and smile. You're eating good to be feeling good. Breakfast of champions for people who are going places. Are you ready? Try them. See how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. At 10.30 the same night, Milton Thomas's house was discovered on fire. The Cranston Fire Department was called. Next morning, the local sheriff, making a routine investigation, discovered the burnt remains of a broken chair next to Thomas's body. He ordered an autopsy. The results prompted him to call the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to the case and arrived at the scene of the fire early that afternoon. Well, howdy, Ranger. I'm Sheriff Taxon. Howdy. My name's Jace Pearson. Come on, I'll show you the house. Or what's left of it. All right, folks. Step back, please. Shouldn't have all these people walking around here, Sheriff. Ruin any footprints there might be. I had my deputy here just a few minutes ago, Pearson. I sent him down to get some coffee. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, step back away from the house, all of you. Now get back to the fence, please. All burned out except for the walls, but you may find something. You said when you called you didn't think it was an accident. I've been sheriff here for 18 years, and I'll stake my reputation it wasn't. It was arson to cover murder. Based that on the autopsy? Yep. Coroner couldn't find any trace of the carbon granules in the bronchial patches or lungs, and only the normal amount of carbon monoxide in the lungs. Indicating Milk Thomas wasn't breathing when the fire started. Right. This was the front door. Burned off the hinges and fell out. That's funny. What? The lock on this door. Special kind. Takes a key on both sides. When the door is shut, you have to have a key to get out of the house as well as in. Oh, that, yeah. Milk was a funny old galoot. Had them put on both doors. The windows had trick locks, too. Why? Well, folks, they kept a lot of money in the house. Maybe just a story. Hmm. This lock's still working. Let's look at the back door. Oh, here's what's left of Mill's old iron safe. It open like that when you found it? Yep. Empty, too. This lock's not forced or broken. Kind of hard to tell much about anything after the roof fell in. Yeah, it's a mess, all right. Kind of lock here on the back door. It's working, too. Meaning whoever started the fire was locked in? Well, look here. Whoever it was, here's where he went out. See that window glass outside on the ground? Let's climb out and look. See? 
The heat didn't break it. It's not crazed. It was knocked out from inside. And do you think the killer was trapped inside? Could have been, after he set fire to the place. How about footprints, Sheriff? Oh, there's thousands of them. Volunteer firemen tramping around all during the fire. Wait. Wait, here's something. Huh. Looks like a spur row. That's exactly what it is. Broken off a spur. Right below where the window was. Maybe busted off by a man jumping out the window with his tail feathers on fire? Maybe. I don't envy you none, Pearson. How come? Well, as a clue, the spur roll's probably mighty important. But but what, Sheriff? I was just thinking. There probably ain't over ten million spurs in the state of Texas with rowels just like the one you got there in your hand. <laughs> well, your figure may be a little high, Sheriff, but I get your point. Hey, Jack! Yeah, what do you think you're doing, Jack? What's the matter, Sheriff? You know darn well what's the matter. I told you to keep back. I was just looking around. Well, stop kicking around those ashes. And the rest of you. That's evidence you're tramping on. We didn't mean no harm. Now listen, all of you. It's the last time I'm going to tell you. How'd you like it if we thought one of you was the criminal coming back to the scene of the crime and deliberately trying to destroy evidence? Okay, then. Get back or get off the property altogether. Uh, books say that's generally not true, Sheriff. Huh? About the criminal in the scene of the crime. It happens only once in a thousand times. Oh, I know it. I just want to throw a scare into him. I see. Oh, by the way, who was that fellow you were talking to? Him? His name's Casey. Jack Casey. <laughs> Sheriff and I went over the yard thoroughly, but any footprints the murderer might have left were trampled out by the firemen and the onlookers. Finally, some distance from the house, I found the place I was looking for. Sheriff! Huh? Come over here. What is it? Look, here's where he took off from. Mm, Hoofprints. Dug out in an awful hurry, too. And his horse tethered to this tree. Seems to me any man who had legitimate business at the house would have tied up closer. Yeah, that's logical. Well, look here. Horse chewed on the tree. Mm-hmm. Might be a cribber. We find our man, we'll likely find a horse that chews on his feed bin. See, these tracks head west toward Snake Creek. You got a horse, Sheriff? I can get one. Good. I'll get mine out of the trailer. We're going to follow those hoof prints. <laughs> Hold it, Sheriff. Keep your horse off that bank. All right, all right. What's the matter? Boot prints. Good, fresh ones. Oh, I thought for a minute you'd seen a moccasin. This stream's full of cotton mouths. I'll take my kit and make some plaster molds of these prints. He dismounted here and led his horse across. Yeah, probably afraid of slipping on those flat, mossy rocks. Mm. Small foot, about size seven or eight, I'd say. Odd track pattern, too. Not likely he was toting a heavy load. Probably a fat man. Fat? Yeah, look at his tracks. Deep, even in the dry places. I make tracks as deep as those, way over 200, but I ain't exactly fat. No, you're not fat, Sheriff. But what size boot do you wear? Eleven and a half. You ever see a man your height make a footprint this small? Come to think of it, I don't suppose I ever did. Wait a minute. That man who was poking around the ashes back at the house. 
Casey, was it? Yeah, Jack Casey. What about him? He's fat. Sheriff, was he driving a car or riding? Casey was riding his old paint mare. Say, she's a cribber. Then I'm going to need a warrant. As soon as I get this mold, I'm heading for town. Sheriff, either the books are wrong, or this Casey is one in a thousand. Operator. Operator, this is Jack Casey again. What about that call I've been trying to get through for the last hour and a half? Yeah, Moni, Texas, the Delta Sawmill Company. I know it's Sunday, but somebody's bound to be... Who's that? Oh, Jack! What are you doing with that gun? Oh, oh it's you. Operator. Hello, operator. Now, you said you'd call me back every 20 minutes. It was over a half hour last time. Well, keep trying. Jack, who are you trying to call? And what are you doing with your shotgun? Leave me alone, Martha. Where you been since noon? You were supposed to meet me at the Tate's for dinner. I know it, I know it, but... Who's that? Who is it? Texas Ranger. What? Jack, what have you done? Put that gun away. Get in the back room. You ain't fixing to shoot him, are you? If I have to. Jack, don't do it. Please, Uh, Jack, don't be... Hold it, Ranger. Stay where you are. Put that gun down, Casey. You're not coming in here. I got a warrant here that says I can. And I am. Jack, put it down. Let go that barrel. Grab it, Ranger. Give me that. Oh, Jack, don't do that. Don't do that. You all right, ma'am? Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. Shotgun's a nasty thing to carry around cocked. I'll just oh. take this. I want to look around a little. That's your bedroom? Yeah. Come on. Paint mare outside yours? Yes, it is. Are these your boots? Mm-hmm. How'd you break this spur? Huh? Well, didn't know it was broken. I'll take these boots along. You want me to get it, Jack? No. Uh, isn't somebody going to answer it? Yeah. yeah, sure. Hello? Never mind, cancel it. You better come along with me, Casey. What's this all about, Ranger? Where are you taking Jack? He thinks somebody killed Milk Thomas. To be exact, he thinks I did. No! You seem to know some of the answers. Some of them. Before we go, Ranger, I'd like to ask you one question. Sure. What time did this so-called murder take place? About 10 o'clock last night. 10 o'clock? Well, that's I'll we handle were... this, Martha. Suppose I can prove where I was last night. We're just as anxious to prove a man innocent as guilty, Casey. Do you have any witnesses? About 300 of them. At 10 o'clock last night, I was sitting in the Cranston High School Auditorium watching my niece graduate. In just a moment, we continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. If a man rides herd on a hundred head of cattle all day, first he needs his Wheaties. Yes, and if a man sits behind a big desk and pushes buttons on his job, first he needs his Wheaties. 
And listen, Mama, you too. If you keep track of a couple of growing up kids and wash dishes and make beds on your job, first you need your Wheaties. Dump whatever your job, wherever you work. Wheaties can help. Whether you run a machine or pound a typewriter or play baseball for a living, first you need your Wheaties. Because here is whole wheat with the rich, full-bodied energy of whole wheat. There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. That's why Wheaties give so much. Vitamins, minerals, protein. Wheaties have them, and they're for you. Pour the Wheaties into the cereal bowl, add the milk, add the fruit, and dig right in. Do that at 7, and see how much better you're working when 11 a.m. rolls around. Yes, try them every morning, crisp and tempting, and see if I'm not right. See if a better breakfast with the whole wheat nourishment of Wheaties doesn't make a pleasant difference in your morning's work. See if milk, fruit, Wheaties isn't honest and truly breakfast of champions. See yourself how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. Casey stuck to the alibi that he'd been at the graduation the night before, but I already had enough evidence to take him in. While the sheriff was out asking questions around town, I tried to break down Casey's story. I tell you I was there. All right, take it easy, Casey. Let's assume for a minute you were. And how do you count for the boot prints made by your boots and found near the scene of the crime? Lots of people wear boots. Could have been anybody. I'm afraid not. You see, I made plaster casts of those prints, and the boots, the ones you admitted were yours, matched the prints to the last nail mark. I... Well, I've tramped around this part of the country a lot of times. They could have been old prints. Uh-uh. These were fresh prints. Well, what about it? I... I don't know. All right, then. What about the rowel we found just outside Thomas' house? One broken off your spur. I don't know anything about that either. There's no point in withholding information, Casey. You know we'll find out about it sooner or later. Well, how are you doing, Pearson? Casey decided to come clean? Not yet. What about the niece, Sheriff? The neighbors say she and her family left on a vacation early this morning. You know anything about that, Casey? No. Too bad. Because I've had several interesting chats. Casey, I've just talked to four people who were at the graduation exercises last night. Four people who know you. And not one of them remembers seeing you there. I was at the high school last night, I tell you. Casey, the sheriff's talked to four people who didn't see you. Well, who did? I don't know. It was dark in the auditorium. Didn't you speak to anybody? No. Thing had already started. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I talked to one of the ushers. What was his name? Wasn't a him, it was a her. One of the high school girls. She was wearing a long pink dress. Uh, Sheriff, who's the principal of the high school? Mr. Schott. Warren Schott. All right, lock Casey up. I'm going to find out who the ushers were, and especially the little girl with a long pink dress. Why, why, yes, sir. I, I remember Mr. Casey being there. With Mrs. Casey. Are you sure, Ella May? This is very important. Sure, I'm sure. They came in late and had to wait until the invocation was over. And then he asked for an aisle seat. He said he couldn't climb over people. He's so... (laughs) Well, you know. Yeah, I know. And he didn't leave at any time during the exercises. Mm, Not until near the end. 
They left just before the recessional while everybody was standing and singing the class song. What time was that? Oh, a few minutes before 11. All right. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Was I any help, Ranger? Yes, Ella May. You were a big help. I was stuck. It looked like I was going to have to release Casey. Then I remembered something. The phone call that came in while I was out at Casey's place. The one he'd been reluctant to answer. I dropped by the Cranston telephone office. This is the call you wanted, Ranger. What was it? Mr. Jack Casey placed a call to the Delta Sawmill Company in Moni, Texas at 2.22 p.m. today. There was no answer, and when the Moni operator did get through, she called back at 3.40. But Mr. Casey had canceled it. Do you know who the call was for? Oh, yes, sir. It was person to person to Mr. Ben Casey. Ben Casey? Mr. Jack Casey's son. Son? Well, do you know him? I used to. When? Well, we went to high school together. Some of my girlfriends and I used to go places with Ben's bunch, but my mother made me stop. She said he wasn't the kind of boy that girls should run around with. I see. And he finally left home. Couldn't get along with his stepmother. Oh, then Mrs. Casey's not his mother. Oh, no, Ranger. They used to fight. Oh. Go on. This may be very important. Well, I heard that she and Ben fought all the time, and then one day after they had a big fight, Ben packed up and left. Well, when was this? Mm, I reckon it was a couple of years ago. He went down to Monee then and got a job at that sawmill there. What does this Ben look like? He's a spitting image of his father and just as fat, too. Have you seen him lately? I saw him at the bus station. His father came and picked him up. When? Let's see, um, day before yesterday. Friday. There was no doubt now why Jack Casey wasn't talking. He was protecting his own son. I put a call through to Mrs. Casey and met her at the sheriff's office. I ain't saying this because he ain't my flesh and blood, Ranger, but Ben's bad through and through. I might have known he was the one killed Milt Thomas. Uh, Mrs. Casey, tell me about Ben. He came in Friday, didn't he? Yeah. Come in on the bus and stayed over Saturday. He wanted to borrow money. He's always broke. Gambles. That's right, Pearson. Picked him up a couple of times for gambling. Go on, Miss Casey. Well, like I say, he wanted to borrow $50 from Jack, but Jack didn't have it. He just paid off a note to Milt Thomas, and he was kind of strapped. Oh, your husband owed Thomas money? Yes, but it was the last payment. Jack was joking about how Thomas always wanted cash money. Didn't trust checks. Did Ben hear him say this? He sure did, Sheriff. And then he sucked around all day Saturday until we was getting ready to go to the commencement that night. And just before we left, he said he was going to use Jack's horse to go for a ride. At night? Yeah, seems strange to me, too. And then he asked, could he borrow a pair of Jack's boots? He was wearing flat heel shoes. Uh, they wear the same size? Oh, have, ever since I can remember. Well, anyway, we went on to the graduation. And when we got home, the mare was in the barn, still saddled, all sweaty. Looked like she'd been run almost to death. And Jack's boots were tossed on the floor, and Ben was gone. All right, Miss Casey. That's all for now, and thanks. You're welcome. Come on, Sheriff. We're going on a little trip. Sheriff.
Sheriff Taxon and I piled into my car and headed for Moni. As soon as we got out on the highway, I put in a call to my headquarters. Unit 10 to KTXA. Unit 10 to KTXA. KTXA to Unit 10. Go ahead, Unit 10. Unit 10 leaving Cranston State Highway 22 en route to Moni. Investigating murder suspect believed in vicinity of Delta Sawmill. We'll keep KTXA informed. Unit 10, 10-4. Okay. KTXA, Austin. KTXA, Sheriff, Austin, you know young Casey by sight, don't you? Yeah, I watched him grow up. Good. If he's gone and we have to comb for him, I don't want to turn up the wrong fat man again. Oh, you'd know him now, after seeing his father. Except for age, they're the same. You mean except for age and the fact that the young one's a murderer. When we reached the sawmill, the moon was up. A full moon. There was a light burning through the window of one shack at the edge of the camp. We pulled up there and got out of the car and went in. Howdy, Ranger. Sure. Hi. We're looking for a man named Casey. Ben Casey? Yeah. You around? I don't know for sure. Sleeps in the big bunkhouse down the line. Which bunk? I'll show you if you like. Fine. Sheriff, maybe you better take a look through the mess hall. That boy like him might be fixing a late snack. If you don't find him, come up and meet me. And if you do find him, call me before you try and take him. Right. Bunkhouse is this way. No, no light in the place. Well, some of the boys was going into town for a moonlight dance. Don't know if Ben went with them or not. Has he been packing any money that you know of? Well, well, yeah. Come to think of it, he had quite a bit. Said he hit it lucky in a dice game, and that. Well, he did get it in the dice game, didn't he? If he did, the other fellow never got a chance to roll them. Oh, well, here we are. I'll light this lamp for you. Uh, uh, ben sleeps in that third bunk on the right. Thanks. I'll wait for him. All right, I'll get back to my books and just entering a shipment that's being hauled out tonight. That's why you found me working. Go ahead. But uh, if you see Casey, don't mention I'm here. The foreman went back to his shack and I ripped Ben Casey's bunk apart. There was nothing in the bunk of the covering. I dragged the footlocker out from underneath and was bending over it when... Come on, Ranger. Up with it. And don't turn around. They're up. What are you doing here? If you're Ben Casey, you know what I'm doing. This is the end of the road, boy. I'll take that lantern. I'd be careful with that, Ben. Remember what happened the last time you dropped a lantern? You're pretty smart, ain't you, mister? But I'm smart, too. Here's a present for you. the edge of the bunk and the flaming kerosene splashed over me. I beat the flames out with my hands and dove for the door. He'd rammed something against the outside of it. When I forced it open, I stumbled over a heavy log bench he'd used as a barricade. Hey, Ranger, what is it? Casey! You see him, Sheriff? Well, somebody went off that way toward the rail sightings. Let's go! spotted him swinging up the side of a flat car as the train hit the main line and started to roll. 
We grabbed onto one of the last cars and scrambled to the top and started to work our way forward. There he is. About five cars ahead. I can't see him. Kerosene scorched my eyes. He'll see us, all right, and shoot. Drop flat. We'll crawl up on him. He can't go any farther than the length of the train. There he goes. He's jumping. I see him. I'm going after him. Well, I'm coming with you. He's Can you see him? No, but he's close. About ten yards in, not moving. Keep low. We're silhouetted good against this clearing. What you doing, Pearson? Taking off my jacket. See if you can find a stick about five feet long. Well, here's a dead branch. And this do? Fine. Give it to me. What you fixing to do? I'm going to put this branch through my coat sleeves like this. Here. When I tell you, hold it up. I get it. Something for him to shoot at. Huh? Right. I'll fire at his gun flash. All right, Casey. Come on with your hands up. This is your last chance, Casey. Okay, Sheriff. Lift the coat. Yeah. You got him. Come on. Don't shoot, Randy. Don't kill me. Oh, please. Please give me a chance. Like you gave Milt Thomas? That was a short train ride, Casey. But I got a hunch you'll get a longer one soon. Come on. Ben Casey confessed to the murder of Milt Thomas. On August 2nd, 1948, he entered Huntsville Penitentiary. His sentence, life imprisonment. Joe McRae, that was a great show tonight. Wheaties and I are proud of you. Thank you, Frank. I like to please the customers. Well, now, so do I. Take Wheaties, for instance. Frank... Are you going to say that Wheaties taste good? Well, yes, I was going to touch on that. And are you going to say that Wheaties are good for people? Yes, yes, I was going to say just that. Anything else? Well, no, I guess that just about covers it, Joel. Except, uh... Except telling people to get some. That's it, how'd you know? Well, that's easy, Frank. I'm a Wheaties eater myself. You hear that, folks? You, too, can be a Wheaties eater. As early as tomorrow morning. Breakfast of champions, you know. Get some. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by David Bruce and was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. And this is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin, inviting you to listen Monday night to Frank Lovejoy and Nightbeat on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then. Tomorrow, there's good listening with the Summer Symphony on NBC. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.